Before we get into today's show, I have a special announcement. We here at Uplifting Impact are going to be hosting an online virtual summit on how to be an ally from August 14th through the 16th. Join us for thought-provoking, interactive, action-oriented content that will prepare you to be the ally we need. Tickets start at just $97, and there are also sponsorship opportunities available. Go to upliftingimpact.com to get more information. Welcome to Uplifting Impact. So great to have you back here for another show. I'm excited because today we have Tyler Whipple from American Family Insurance with us. Tyler's title is that he is the Vice President of Inclusive Excellence at AmFam. That's what I like to call it since it's a local company, AmFam. He's responsible for leading the company's efforts to develop and implement strategies to advance inclusive excellence as a core value, resulting in strong culture and great business results across the American family enterprise. Tyler, it is so awesome to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. You know, Tyler and I uh, first connected because I was really curious about his role and what he was doing, particularly because American Family Insurance is showing up in the news all of the time for doing amazing things in our community and really pushing for this idea of being equitable. So Tyler, can you just give us all, so everybody can benefit from it, a little bit of background into what you do for AmFam and, and what your role is? Yeah, I oversee the entire um, inclusive excellence strategy. And so when we say inclusive excellence, it's important. It's, it's diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it's not just the social impact of it, right? We want to do it for all those reasons, but those are table stakes. Right. So if we're not doing it for that, then why are we doing it? Well, we also look at it as how does it make our business better? How do we leverage that diversity and that inclusion for better products and services for our customers? And so my team is accountable for overseeing not only the development of the strategy and putting that on paper, but then also the initiatives required to achieve those strategic objectives and then executing on those initiatives as well. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Well, I mean, you said in a nutshell, but that's like a million things that you just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> it does take up most of a work week. <laughs> so when you think about like what this looks like at an enterprise level, I think that was one of the things that I was super fascinated by because we have companies of all sizes that are represented in our listening pool, right? So we have people who are coming from smaller companies. We have people coming from mid-sized companies and, and from larger companies. And you obviously are on the much higher end, right? The large size company. But I think no matter where you are in your company structure, everybody struggles with how do we get this through the enterprise? Excuse me, right? So how do we make sure that everybody is on the same page? So in your structure, it's really, really complicated. So I thought that maybe if you shared with us some of your tips and techniques, you know, we can apply it no matter what level, what level we, what kind of organization we have, no matter what size it is. It doesn't, it doesn't seem all that complicated when you're in it, but I hear your point. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and for your listeners, the American Family Enterprise is American Family Insurance. It's the general, it's home site insurance, Main Street America, and, and some others. So it's it's a it's really interesting. It's not just one company. The enterprise is actually made up of multiple companies. And I say that because it's really important when we think about how we approach our work. The one thing we like to do is always benchmark against best practices. So looking at where are we as an enterprise, where is each operating company, and then saying, where do we think we could be better when you look at benchmarks? but also not stopping there. So it's taking some inventory and really doing a deep dive into data 
that looks at what's happening at that company and say, what's the actual problem we want to solve for? And then once we've identified what we call an intervention that we see, we, we see an, an opportunity here and we want to, we want to intervene there to make a difference. Then it's really about kind of standard change management where you're bringing in your business partners and saying, look, here's something we've identified. Oftentimes when you're in diversity and inclusion work, you have to go to a business partner and say, we've identified an issue in your area. Um, <laughs> so we have to come to agreement on the fact that there's a challenge there. But then we also try to solve for what's the mutual win. So what does it look like to win um, in, in inclusive excellence? And how does that, that solution then often help your business partner? And so I think that's been a really good approach for us. And then the other part that we like to do is how do we get that business partner involved in the solution? So it's not just coming from inclusive excellence, us just sort of pushing something out. It's saying, let's partner on this. There's a win-win here. We'll take some of the heavy lifting. You take some of the heavy lifting. And together, we'll get the heavy lifting done. So oftentimes, it's just that collaborative approach to say, do we even agree that this is the right thing to address? And then how do we address it? And then let's address it together. So I I imagine that having those initial conversations, particularly if you are, you know, leading a big segment or a big part of the company and your focus is on, you know, one particular area, to have somebody come in from the outside and be like, hey, so I noticed there's something you could be doing better. That that has to be a little bit of a of a challenging conversation, right? Are there any tips that you have when you're trying to approach people where they might really want to do this work, but it's just not in their day-to-day like thinking process? Like how do you raise up that to the day-to-day and how do you like kind of engage in that initial conversation? Yeah, so I've learned along the way, you know, I used to, I come from a product management background where you're like, hey, there's a problem, right? We all see the problem. I think what I've learned in this work is to say, hey, do you, are we looking at the same thing, right? Do you see what I see here? Um, and sometimes the answer is flat out, no, I don't, I don't even understand why you're bringing this up. But it, it, it then it requires us to do a little education. And so when we think about cultural intelligence, just getting somebody to say, hey, this is the way that, you know, there's a perception here. Um, are you aware of it? And when somebody says, no, tell me more about that then I think it makes for a much better conversation. So um, in large part, we always try to go where we understand there's an opportunity with somebody who wants to partner. But we are also really fortunate American family that people proactively come to us and say, hey, we'd love for you to kind of be involved in solving a solution or solving a problem where we see a problem, but we don't have the solution, which makes for a much easier conversation. Absolutely, right? If people are able to step up to you, but that, that in and of itself takes some culture building. You know, like trying to get people to a place where they feel comfortable enough to have those conversations and say, this is an area where we feel a little bit challenged and we could use your support. So what do you think as a team you've done to create that kind of accessibility, right, for people outside of your group? Uh, two things, I'd say. We have one said it's okay to say you don't know, right? So oftentimes, I mean, you, you're, you're well-steeped in this work, and oftentimes people are very well-intended, but they're afraid to say the wrong thing. They don't even know what the wrong thing is. And so we've tried to, we've tried to work with people to say, just kind of speak, you know, speak your truth. And, you know, we'll get through it. If you say something that's maybe not politically correct or isn't perfect, that's okay. It's part of the journey, and we always bill it as a journey. It's not, it's not sort of the end um, the other thing we do, we've done is how we how we formed our team. So we've got a really dynamic team with a lot of different backgrounds. Not everybody has deep DNI experience. Um, some people come directly from the business. Some are from sales. Some are from outside the organization. Did politics. So it no no matter sort of what your style and approach is, there's probably somebody in inclusive excellence that you can talk to, and they can meet <laughs> you where you are. <laughs> And I, and I think that's important because oftentimes when you've done the work for so long, 
people sort of look at you like you're the subject matter expert. I don't want to talk to that person because they're so they're so steeped in it. Uh, but I think if you can see a little bit of yourself in that person, you can relate to the work. It makes for a little bit easier conversation. So let me get this straight, Tyler. You have used one of the like pinnacle things that we do in diversity, equity, inclusion to build your team. You've brought exactly. in a diverse team. <laughs> we, we, have, <laughs> we have practiced what we preach. The team, <laughs> the team is very diverse, you know, demographically diverse, background diverse. It is a very diverse team and it, and it does truly. It allows us to meet people where they are. Um, but it also forces us to stretch and grow too, right? So if you come from a sales background and you're working over here with marketing, you have to learn that language. You have to learn that culture. So it's it's a, it's a give and take on both sides. That is awesome. And I think that part of like what I've really loved in working with American Family Insurance is that you really do have a culture of learning. Like there is this strong desire within your teams, from at least from my perspective, of trying to figure out how you can do something different, kind of step outside of your comfort zone, right? And so that, I think it's really interesting because I imagine being in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space with a culture that already has this deep desire for learning and like commitment to learning that you're able to I mean, it creates a much better environment, like a much better place for you to try and plant some ideas. There are far worse places to be than AMFAM when it comes to having a really good culture that you can build within. You know, we always talk about learn, unlearn, and relearn. And I've been in AMFAM now 16 years. And I'd say that is a, a pinnacle of what this organization is about. It's always learning something. Um, you know, even going through the, uh, the COVID challenges, we talk about forced innovation. What can we learn from this so that we get better and on the other side of this for a better organization? But yeah, you absolutely hit it on the head. It's a learning organization and, uh, and it does make this work while never easy. It makes it easier because all of your employees know we're all, we're all there to learn more. Yeah. So what happens when you're like trying to navigate a new space? Because one of the things that happens is, you know, you bring in new companies. So companies that maybe don't have that learning culture or coming into it and it's brand new for them, or they're taking in a lot of information. What does your rollout process look like for companies that you're newly acquiring or merging with? It's, it's kind of twofold. So what we try to do is tell them where we've been, right? And all the mistakes that have come with where we've been, right? Everybody starts <laughs> off with this great strategy. It looks awesome on day one. On day 365, you realize that there were some changes that needed to occur. So we talk about sort of why we do what we do, um, what we've learned along the way, what we would have done differently. And then we also ask them to tell us a little bit about where are you on your journey? If you haven't started your journey, that's okay. It's day one. If you've been at it for years, that's also day one. But it gives us a chance to both understand where that company was or that unit. And they also understand where we were. So it's always sort of how do we find this middle ground, but then also keeping sight on this is where we're going. Right. And so I think we've been we've been very successful in talking about where we want to go, but then allowing people to sort of get in to say, Tyler, I'm not at stage five yet. I'm at stage two. That's okay. So now we know where we're at. We can move forward. But a large part of it is being really transparent about what we got right and what we what we could have gotten right to. <laughs> so do you have like a formal onboarding process where you have people where you show them, you know, according to kind of the work that we've done, here are the different phases that we see within our organization? Or is that more something that you build through conversation? It started off very informal. And I'd say probably over the last year, now we have a formal enterprise inclusive excellence team. So there are representatives from each of those various operating companies who come together. And then we talk about it as a group. So it's not just sort of um, AmFam saying this is where we need to go. It's saying, hey, this is where we think we need to go. Give us some input, right? Let's learn that. So we're, we're making it more formal. 
uh, we move rather quickly at AmFam as well. And so um, what starts as a pilot, you know, you, you continue to iterate on. Very good. And are you finding that like formalizing that, that it relieves some of that tension? You know, that now you've made it part of your operating strategy, like the tension that may or may not be there, but sometimes it's there, right? Like people, it's everything's brand new. I don't know you, this first time I'm ever meeting you. And you're going to tell me I got to do something else. And I got, right? So there's going to be like a natural tension. Do you feel like the operationalizing of that onboarding will, will help with that? We don't really sense tension. Um, I mean, we have been really fortunate that every company who's become part of our enterprise is already about DNI in one way, shape, or form, which is which is a great which is a great opportunity, right? I think some of where that tension is that you know, AmFam's been doing this for a very long time, and in some places we're really we're really forward looking, um, but that's not where everybody else is. The formalizing helps to sort of calibrate what each company needs and what each party needs. And I say that definitely brings down that tension or what could be tension because we all understand where we're coming from. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go back to my original question because I am fascinated with this, right? So when you are thinking about different organizations and different enterprises, one of the things that you said was, you know, we like to see come to a mutual agreement about things that we might be able to work on and we come up with an intervention and that makes a lot of sense. But it also seems really overwhelming because you don't have a team of 300,000 people, do you? <laughs> no. Yeah, just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. 298,000. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But, you know, we, a lot of times organizations and people who are doing this work, it's a small group of people. And sometimes it's not even, you know, a group of people who have a, a, a title in the organization. They're doing it from a volunteer perspective. And so it can feel very overwhelming. And I think in particular, if you were like, oh, and by the way, not only are you doing this work, but you have to customize this for, for everybody, right? Yeah. So how do you keep that balance between, you know, allowing for you to stay focused and do things that are going to be really impactful for those individual groups or organizations that are within the big enterprise, but then also making it manageable, right, for your team so that your team isn't completely like doing a million different things? Yeah, we, we are always doing a million different things. So oh, let, me, okay. let me start there. <laughs> um, but I am really fortunate. So my my inclusive excellence team is 13 people. And so we have 13 full-time employees who get to make this their day job and their night job sometimes. But what's really helpful is that there are people in each of our operating companies who also have this. Sometimes it's their full-time job. Sometimes it's in addition to, as you said. But what's been really nice is that because we've got a really good strategy and we've got alignment on objectives, it keeps us keeps us from kind of going too wide and we're able to prioritize. What's really nice about my team ability to help out is that if another company doesn't have as much capacity, I actually have FTEs that I say, okay, we've agreed on this. We want you to be successful. You want to be successful. Let's help you um, get some resources there. But, but in reality too, sometimes we just have to prioritize and things get deprioritized. So it's a little bit of a balancing act all the way around. So, you know, some, like I said, some people who are listening huge companies. They totally understand this. They're like, Deanna, this enterprise model, we got this. But you also have companies in here, smaller and medium-sized, who don't have 13 FTEs or 300,000, however many we, we thought, 298,000, you said. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so what would you, what would you suggest to an organization that's mid-sized or smaller, or maybe even a big organization that doesn't have that many FTEs? How, what are some of the systems that you would put in place if, if that were the case that would still allow for you to do some of that prioritization? 
I think you have to be super clear on what it is you want to affect. You know, what is it that you want to change? Is it is it are you looking at it from a diversity perspective with the makeup of your workforce? Are you do you have a, a workforce demographic that you're comfortable with that mirrors your customers or whatever whatever benchmark you're using? Or do you want to have an inclusive culture? And they're not mutually exclusive, so I don't mean to suggest that. But being really clear on what it is you want to accomplish and then putting your priorities towards that. Because I think, you know, there's so much good that can be done. Business resource groups, different development programs, um, talent acquisition, recruiting. I mean, there are so many things we can get involved in. But I think you have to solve for what's most meaningful to your organization. And then once you've made good progress there, add a little bit to it. I think it's okay to chip away. I think when smaller companies look at large companies, they're like, look, they're so far out there, but we started in a place too and had to build. And I think it's okay for small and mid-sized companies just to bite off the one piece that you can tackle or the two pieces, whatever, whatever your resources will allow you to do. I think that's such a smart suggestion, right? Because I think one of the reasons I will hear from people when they call me and they're in distress, right? Is that (laughs) I'll hear them say, yeah, there's just too much. Like I can't do anything because there's just too much. But that idea of like, yeah, there is a lot. There's so many opportunities and so many ways we can make our organization stronger. But that doesn't mean you have to do all of them today. Right. right? right. It doesn't mean that it's like, you know, it's, it's important for you to be able to figure out how you prioritize. So before we leave, I just want to ask you another question about this prioritization. So when you're thinking, okay, I'm about to do my annual planning, I want to get my team aligned. Like what kinds of considerations do you take in when you're thinking about what are the priorities and where do we want to go? Yeah, there's, there's really a balance there too. So one of the things we look at is what, what is a team of practitioners? What is it that we want to accomplish? And sort of we lay that out and then we look at sort of what did we say we were going to do last year? Um, if, if all that didn't get done, then that automatically makes the plan for this year. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, and I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm saying that in jest. Sometimes we have to look at it and say, you know, we said we were going to do all these things last year and some of them just didn't happen. And maybe that's OK, because the trade off was that we had some really big, impactful things. Um, but then we also have an executive diversity council. And so we are often able to go to them and say, here are the things that we'd like to propose we're going to move forward with for the year. And that's usually after we've gotten feedback from our team, business partners, et cetera. And then they'll help also align that to the broader enterprise strategy. And so we've got really good alignment then. Our business resources groups come contribute to what we're sort of thinking for the year so that we can involve them in it. So we've got a really good tiered process there. But oftentimes it does feel like you're doing a million things, right? But I think for us that that planning is, and, and if you're in this work, I mean, you know this, you do this day in and day out, you've got a passion for it. And so if there's if there's a million things, it's like I can do all one million plus one more. There you um, go. <laughs> right? <laughs> there you go. And I think for me, at least, it's like the win, right? On the other end of it, when you have a business partner that all of a sudden is able to do something they couldn't do before, or you have people who are like, no, I'm, I'm going to stay. I was thinking about leaving, but now I'm going to stay because I really feel like I belong here and I can, I found my space here. When you have those wins, I think that's what fuels that like million plus one, because you know, like that plus one might be the thing that gets right. That next person right with you. We, we had a video for AAPI month and, um, at the end of the video, one of our employees actually said, the fact that this organization is behind me makes me feel like I can accomplish anything. And that's the win, right? I mean, you can you can put data behind it. You can do all of these things. But when one employee says, like, with the company behind me, I can accomplish anything, what better win do you have? You don't. That's it. That is like the epitome of what anybody wants to do when they're thinking about how to like equip their team and really empower their team. 
So Tyler, I want to say thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom here today. If there are people who want to stay connected to you and just learn more from you and see what you're doing and see what American Family Insurance is doing, what's the best way to do that? Uh, two places, amfam.com for sure. Um, otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Ty Whipple. So any way you want to connect, I'm pretty much accessible. And so is our company. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It was lovely to have you with us. Really excited about the work that American Family Insurance is doing, how they're leading the way, how open you are with the learning that you're doing and sharing that with the community. It's it's really, it's quite amazing. Well, my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And for those of you who have been with us for this podcast, we just want to say thank you again for listening to another episode of Uplifting Impact. We can't wait to have you here again for our next show. It's going to be amazing. We believe here at Uplifting Impact that if you and me and Tyler and all the people who are in your company are putting diversity, equity, and inclusion first, we can make a better world together. So let's do it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.